anyone is like watching the video version instead of the audio version, they're probably like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> this is like a really weird way to just like coerce you to coming over to my house. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to you wanna come hang out, buddy? <laughs> Sorry, uh, the, the studio's under uh, renovation. Uh, you're going to have to come to my house. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's like a couple gates you have to get past. There's like a key code. Like, it's fine. Here's my, yeah. It, it's just. Oh, I'm, yeah. I, I just moved. You don't mind unpacking stuff, do you? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a truck? Um, it's, one of the first times I actually talked to you, I was like in an Ikea parking lot and I'm like, Hey man, um, you want to do a podcast? Also, are you in Burbank? Cause I'm stranded at Ikea. So <laughs> I feel like moving is just a, is just a thing. And dude, I was, I waited, um, almost an hour at Ikea because really? I tried to get a desk okay. that I thought was going to fit in my sedan. And I measured it, and I'm like, this is going to work. It's going to be tight, but it's going to work. Spoiler, it didn't work at all. So I needed someone with a bigger car to come save me because I bought it two minutes before Ikea closed. So there was no going back and being like, hey, I'm a fucking idiot. Can you, like, return? Can I, can I pick this up tomorrow? I was just stranded in the parking lot with sad Ikea people. So when I was a very poor joint Dota worker, I... Um I got my new apartment at some point in time, like two months into working there. Uh, I got my new apartment and I bought, I went to Ikea and bought a bunch of stuff, <laughs> mostly desk stuff. And I did not have a car, obviously. <laughs> and I did not speak German. So, and I went there all by myself uh, because I didn't really have any other friends there to be able to help me out. So I went there all by myself, bought everything. Somehow, and it, it was like, Ikea was like five minutes to closing by the time I actually, you know, got to the cashier and everything. Oh, no. I, I go to like the, the, the delivery area and I somehow managed to put together with Google Translate ordering a, a uh, or actually I couldn't. They told me they uh, the, that there was uh, no more left for the rest of the day. So I just had a bunch of very heavy Ikea stuff that obviously I couldn't fit onto a, to a bus. Uh, so I go outside and they have the third party uh, drivers and stuff. And oh, that's, I, that's, I don't think that's a thing here. Yeah, that, that, so that, that was a thing there. And then I had to Google translate my way into getting one of those guys. And those guys told me that I wouldn't be able to go with them but they they would be able to take my stuff and i was just like oh god am i getting scammed it like, sounds like a way how you right lost now. your desk yeah i was just like oh man like I, it was so much stuff too it was so uh it was like four or five different like very large pieces i needed <sighs> um i needed a some sort of like sleeping device it was <laughs> a uh, it was a couch slash it was a futon uh, that i could actually one of one of, one of the bed. mom alex bacazza's uh yeah yeah a desk chair etc etc and fortunately the guy was super nice and he actually it was against company policy but he let me uh join him in the truck didn't speak a lick of English the entire entire conversation that we were having back and forth trying to like you know arrange how much money it was and and you know where I was going and all that stuff and he finally dropped me off at my apartment uh it was about like 7 30 p.m by the time we got to my apartment and uh then I had to lug all of that by myself up uh five flights of stairs because my apartment didn't have an elevator either wow it was uh I was that was a hellish day. So so you also have IKEA PTSD? Yeah. 
definitely. It's such a nice store, though. <laughs> it's always so clean. How do they keep it so clean? It is. When, when you were in Germany, uh-huh. um, did people just assume you spoke German? Yes, all the time. <laughs> so you'd be like, well, what's your go-to, like, I'm sorry, I don't speak German? Like, did you, did you uh, learn that much? Uh, yeah, sprechen kein Deutsch. Oh, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just imagine I, that, That's like a very basic, me no speak German. That's, yeah. that's basically what it comes down to. That's like me being like, yo no hablo, <laughs> at, at, at stupido americano. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was doing in Mexico recently, and like at least they kind of knew. Uh-huh. Because they're like, man, that guy's really white. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, but it's had a little bit easier because, you know, obviously he's Asian, so they take like a little bit more like, oh, maybe you don't actually speak German. But with me, it was like, <laughs> but you, you could do like white, straight. You know, yeah, you speak German. <laughs> they, they, a lot of them got really angry at me that I didn't speak German because I was in a more older conservative neighborhood uh, that was outside. I was in an area that uh, it was technically in the city of Berlin, but every Berliner that I ever spoke to said that's not part of Berlin. They said it's the retirement community of Berlin. It's so divorced from the the center, the relative like western center of the city that it's an hour by by really good public transportation to be able to get to that area. Getting to the other side is like two hours. It was, it, honestly, every everything about living in that area sucked. Did you ever drive on the autobahn? Because no. I have like a fantasy of doing that. No. I didn't. I, I just want to, I, I think I'm doing a Europe trip next year. And, yeah. I, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be in Germany, but I'm like, if I'm there, how do I rent a car? And how do I drive 300 miles per hour? Because I assume that's just what happens, right? So far, my experience with California, isn't like the Autobahn just the highway? <laughs> Seems like nobody like pays attention at all to the speed limit. Uh, is it and different in Washington? getting pulled over anyway. You know, almost no one gets pulled over. You, yeah. you learn... Where this is really interesting, Los Angeles talk. You learn where the cops are on uh-huh. what certain parts of the freeway. So when I'm driving, I know when to hit cruise control at 70. Okay. And even if you get a ticket for going like even 73, 74, that'd be rare. You're probably safe most of the time if you put your cruise control on, on 75. And 65 is the speed limit for the highway. So you're, you're fine. Do people not drive like that in Washington? Uh, people are, first of all, like, Speed traps are not that consistent. They're all over the place. And okay. on top of that, people just don't drive as aggressively. Huh. I <laughs> like like my mom got here like a good two <laughs> months. Uh she visited three or four months after I moved here. Okay. And immediately she was like, You drive so aggressively now. <laughs> and I'm a I'm a relatively safe driver. I I don't like speed super fast. I don't cut people off or anything like that. I'm pretty polite in that regard. And she's like, You drive so aggressively now. What's wrong? And I was like, it's LA. I you just gotta adapt. Yeah, you've been you've been corrupted. Um <laughs> I I I hear both sides of the coin. It's either like, oh man, it's so aggressive here, or, or like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. You're like, oh, you guys joke about traffic so much. It's not it's not that it's not that oh, yeah. bad. The, the traffic isn't as bad as I actually thought it was. Yeah. People do drive really aggressively. It's, I guess you just get used to it. I know nothing different. I, I just know how to live. I, it's all normal to me. I'm a lifer. <laughs> Is this the start of our podcast, by the way? Oh, f- This isn't about Dota anymore. Is, at, at what point... At what point do people start to care about us more than Dota? Because I'm almost certain. I'm almost certain it's not by episode three. There's people who are like, 
what happened to the nice looking studio? Uh-huh. Like, wh- why are you guys eating cookies? And uh-huh. and why are you not talking about Dota? I thought I signed up for a Dota podcast. Yeah, I, most I, people are going to be real disappointed. I got I got notes on the last one, or um, you know, from the people who are helping us make this, and they're like, yeah, you know, maybe like a short intro to like you know get people into it and be like, yeah, Dota. Um, so I'm sorry because <laughs> that was that was not it. I I clearly did not did not take the production notes, so I could edit this. I'm probably not going to. Who are <laughs> in Los Angeles? They are uh, completely enthralled. The thing about Los Angeles, people in Los Angeles love Los Angeles humor. <laughs> but out of the Dota base, I mean, we're getting our first event ever here. Yeah. And most of the Dota people don't live in the United States, let alone Los Angeles. Yeah. So we are hitting the smallest of demographics. <laughs> Normal, like, welcome everybody. Welcome to the Cypher Podcast. And it's not like we were casting a very wide net before. <laughs> the amount of people listening to our podcast. It could. So, so there's like one dude who's like, hell yeah. I see those people on Twitter. He's a Dodgers fan. You know, he's, he's blue cap on. He's like, man, I got, I got Rams tickets, man. We can go to the Lakers game. And when I'm on the Metro, which doesn't really exist in Los Angeles, I'm going to listen to Cypo Podcast. I love Dota. I can't wait to go to the BTS minor. Woo. Um, but yeah, we're, we kind of aren't a podcast about traffic or Ikea or Los Angeles. We're, we're just two uh, silly dudes who talk about Dota. Um, yeah. my, my name's Leaf Eater, or Joey. I kind of like human names. Uh, your, your names. I go by Cap. You go by Cap. Honestly, nobody can call me Austin at this point. No, no one no can? can. No, it's I still, too weird. I still struggle. Like, every time I want to address you, I'm like, which one do I want to say? Because by and large, fucking <laughs> by and large, I try and address everyone else. Even people I don't know as well as you yeah. by, like, their yeah. human names. Yeah. But I feel like... Because Cap is already a nickname, yeah. and it's short. Yes. Going to Austin just just balloons it more than I want to. Yeah. No, that's exactly what happens. Everyone everyone just calls me Cap now. I've accepted that. Uh, I never had a nickname as a kid, so I'm cool with just being Cap at this point. It's just weird when, when people call me Austin now, because it's, you know, that's what my mother calls me for the last, like, seven years of my life. In my job, everyone has <laughs> called me Cap. Most so, of your friends, right? They're yeah. Like, when, when, when like a, a fan sees me at an event, calls me Austin, I'm just oh. <laughs> like, like weird, out of it honestly beats me out a little bit. Um, I loathe Joseph. Oh, your real name is Joseph. My real name okay. is Joseph, and it's never it's never been that. Like the only person who can call me Joseph is my grandmother uh-huh. or my mom when I did something very bad. Uh, but everything else, everyone else, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, please. So I don't even when, like Joe that much. So when I go back through and I, I see like the horrible editing job, I'll know. <laughs> Message you on Discord, Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> like, please stop talking to me. I don't I don't like that. I don't ugh. Um yeah, it's gross. We did the thing again where we stopped talking about Dota. It's going to be, we're, we're going to get there. It's post-TI time. It's post-TI time. But yeah. it's also po- It's also like pre the, the season starting, and there's yeah. so much stuff happening. Yeah. Which I guess is why we're here, right? We, uh, <laughs> so when we, were, we left last podcast, there was obviously a lot of rumored rosters out there. I couldn't really speak to most of them. Fortunately, they are almost all have been officially announced now, so we can actually talk about all the upcoming rosters and stuff, which I think is uh, 
probably what people are most interested in. It's been like part of, of the year, right? Yeah. But before we even like get there, why does this happen every year? How come right. like we don't see teams that just stick together or organizations that stick together? It does happen, but it uh-huh. seems like everyone is waiting for TI to finish because all of these players, so many of them just swap rosters. They form new teams. They have new organizations. Mm-hmm. They Sometimes they create their own organizations. And it's exciting because the Dota scene, for better or worse, kind of thrives on drama. Yeah, yeah. And this period of time definitely elevates that there's a lot of drama going on. So there's a lot of exciting things to talk about. But I, I, I get curious why that happens in the first place. Isn't it just like, you know, hey, you got a good team. Let's just stick together. I think one of the, one of the biggest things is that unlike most other esports, you actually have a very concrete goal to the end of your year, right? Which is TI and winning that TI or placing very highly in that TI is monetarily everything to you, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's everything to you as, as, as a player, right? It's all your ambitions and dreams are all built up into this one goal. So in that regard, when TI is it has so much pressure on it it is so important to all of these players like other esports you know it's like oh their salary is going to mean a lot or mm-hmm. you know it's like uh you know csgo for example we don't have like a world championship we just have like big majors that come and go right so yeah you know like there's never like that one ultimate goal that you see so and so the way dota players see it is that if you don't do well at ti then the year is a failure, right? The entire year that you spent working super hard to get where you got to be, just like, like, you know, if I didn't get invited to DI, that year is a disaster. No matter how many events I worked, that year is just, it's, it's, there's a black X on 29. Personally, for your bottom line in your checkbook or for like so many reasons. Yeah. So for every single reason, right? So like, uh, for these players, it's going to be the exact same kind of pressure only amplified. So when that doesn't happen, uh, on top of that, TI being such like that big pressure cooker, right? And people like snapping at each other. Like there are just relationships that get broken at TI and you won't be able to fix them. I think that the the best example of like why this happens would be the Virtus Pro roster. There is no coming back, right? I, I said that like last time, <laughs> you know, maybe the, that VP roster lost one too many times. That's exactly what happened, right? And, and if... In fact, uh, that VP roster had to change captains the the previous year because they didn't do well at the, the previous TI. That was the only way they could salvage their five-man lineup was changing captains because something has to change if you don't do well at TI, right? So if everybody has that same feeling and most of the players, most of the teams are going to walk away from TI looking at it as the year being a failure, then you're just going to have crazy amount of shuffling going on after every single ti the only team that is really safe is usually the team that wins ti yeah it feels like it's almost become normalized in like both dota and even kind of broader esports culture where hey like these are team games so it's very easy to be like oh maybe i can do better if i play with other people maybe i can do better if i play mm-hmm. another coach maybe i can do better if i move to a different region yeah. like there's a lot of different 
ways to kind of mentally adjust and, and justify your loss or what you can do differently. It, it's very easy to uh, deflect onto a different teammate or, or an organization too. So, you know, it, it's also, it feels like it's a coping mechanism yeah. to, to be able to switch teams and change rosters. Cause it's like, uh, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't the problem. I mean, I'm sure some players are like introspective like that, but, but you know, it's very easy to not be and just be like, ah, he was the problem. Our off laner fucking sucked. Let's get a new one. Yeah, and I think Dota is also like one of those uh, because it's so strategic. It has a very large depth when it comes to the mm -hmm. strategy involved. That there is a lot of different ways to look at Dota and people's idea of what Dota is. If you ever listen to the pro players like analyze a game, mm -hmm. they can have vastly different ideas of who's doing what, is that good or bad, what heroes are good or bad, et cetera, et cetera, right? And uh, and we do see a lot of different strategies work. So in that regard, if you're having all these issues, if your entire year is a failure, and on top of that, you feel like you and this other guy just don't see eye to eye on what Dota should be about, then it's a lot easier for you to just find somebody who you think does have similar ideas. Or, or even just as simple as like, you guys have one too many like uh one too many cooks in the kitchen right yeah like one one too many uh communicators one too many captains or maybe not enough captains not enough voices or even if you strip away all the game aspects mm -hmm. sometimes spending a whole year with five people you just might not like all the people you're spending a full year with yeah. That I mean like how many people have been in like a work environment where you just like really don't like a coworker? But you work with them for a long time and you kind of like it's it's a means to an end and it's not the worst thing in the world, but if you had the chance to just be like I'm going to take my editor and just replace him or oh, I'm going to I'm going to take my my fry cook and just replace him or mm -hmm. I don't know why the only two jobs that exist in my head is either fast food or TV production, but like I guess <laughs> that's whatever. your life. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so you know, it, it it could just be as simple as the personal relationship yeah. beyond the Dota one. Like, you I can't spend time with this person because a lot of times these teams just live with each other. Yeah, that's that's living with four other people and a coach, five other people. Hoof. Yeah, and and a lot of these guys are not. Um, let's say that they haven't adapted like a lot of the social skills that you pick up in like college, you know, like in, in frats or, um, you know, like you're still learning some of those life skills. And so being with four other <laughs> dudes who are also trying to learn those life skills, or maybe you're one of the older players who has to like teach somebody how to like do their laundry or something like that. You know, it's, it's, you have to, you live with each other at a boot camp, then you go and you're rooming with one of them at a, at an event, you know, it just doesn't stop. You said that in such a nice political way. <laughs> and I'm happy that you, that, that, that you danced around it because if you asked me to say that same thing, it would have been much more crude. <laughs> I mean, like maybe, maybe like, you know, just being in a team room and that one guy just always smells like BO, you know, after a year, you're like, I can't go back. I can't go back to that prison anymore. I can't be locked in a room with that guy anymore. I think it's not a secret that, uh, that some professional esports players haven't, uh, developed as humans. Yeah, because when your entire success as a person can just be found through like funneling all your efforts into one 
like your job, which is also your hobby. So everything just comes into one little small little area of life. You're only focused on Dota and that's where all your efforts go into. Then you, you're not able to yeah. branch yourself out. As you don't, you don't know how to like fix a toilet or uh, what yeah. uh, is that an important life skill? Change your oil. Uh, what, what else? Do your laundry. That was a good one. I should have stuck with do your laundry. Do your laundry. Wash the dishes. Shower. I, I, I hate that I said that because I, I really, you know, I've been to a lot of events and uh, the whole like gamers don't shower is, is like is one of my least favorite stigmas. Yeah. That being said, I'm sure there's multiple pro players who don't have great hygiene. Nowadays, uh, pro players, if anything, they're overdressing. Have you seen? I mean, these guys are making millions of dollars, so they're they're dropping like you got to buy the Yeezy shorts on on Gucci, you know, Gucci sandals and. Uh, and it's it's, and it's the funniest thing ever when I see people walk out of the TI stage and they're wearing their Gucci flip flops or their Gucci watch and their you know their Armani necklace and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you probably don't care about this, right? You're probably would be just as happy. Yeah, I can respect some like nice kicks or like someone who um, they they should spend less money on name brands and they should just like get their clothes fitted. What if man? Why aren't teams taking their jerseys and just fitting their jerseys better? They'd look so yeah. fly. I guess it is kind of hard to look fly in, in most esports jerseys. I'm being very aggressive. We should. <laughs> They're not well designed for the most part. <laughs> they aren't. Um, but hey, they got all the sponsors on them, and that's what's important, right? Yeah. If someone wants to pay me to have a big monster logo on my chest, I'll walk around with it. I'll tattoo that monster logo on my chest. I don't know right if I'll, amount of money. I don't know if I'll. I mean, maybe a Red Bull one. <laughs> all right, there goes our monster <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I know the monster guy, <laughs> Brian, please don't be bad. Um, but to get a little more granular into like some of these team changes, mm -hmm. which, which I'm, I'm interested in, there's obviously a lot and we're not going to go over all them because yeah. that's a fool's errand and silly. And probably no one really wants to get too much into the nitty gritty of like what they all are, but big headline changes. Like, things that would make the biggest Reddit threads or, or you'll see on Twitter. Um, what is, is there one that sticks out in your mind? Because I, I have a list broken down by region. Evil Geniuses is, is, I think, easily the roster that everybody wants to... Everybody asks me about the EG roster and what I think. I've heard plenty of people, both um, outside of the scene and inside of the scene, all kind of say the same thing about this roster as well. Uh, it's just a weird one, right? They... This is a roster that is going to remain mostly the same, except for they're going to break up the duo that they had for so long, which was Sumail and Arteezy. They're finally mm -hmm. going to go separate ways. Because they, Sumail is leaving the team. Yeah. They are keeping Arteezy. And they're going to pick up Abed, a Southeast Asian, really good mid player uh, who has played in plenty of NA teams before. And then they're going to pick up probably the most interesting one, which is Ramsey's. Ramsey's is, he was the safe lane carry for Virtus Pro. So he is a CIS player. Doesn't have like the greatest English. He could speak some yeah, locations. Yeah, he has some. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, but he's always played in the CIS region. And he's very young. he's moving into a three position. He's moving into the offline. So he's changing roles, changing regions, changing teams that he's been on for the last three, four years. Yeah, he's going to get like a real life shock too. Like he's yeah. going to be... Presumably moving out here. Which, Presumably, yeah. Which which could be exciting. I mean, a, a lot of the EG, it seems like uh, EG has their players kind of like 
at least from last year, right? Like with all the European mm-hmm. players, they were just kind of set up in Europe until it was time to move over to NA <laughs> to hit a qualifier up, you know? But uh, so maybe it's funny how that works. May have this similar situation. I, I have no idea what his uh, ambitions are in that regard, but that is easily the, the most interesting roster. Uh, everybody, the general consensus, whether you are a Redditor or you are inside the scene, is. This roster looks kind of clowny. <laughs> and Warren, it doesn't look like one of those rosters that's just naturally going to work out. Maybe, maybe it will. Honestly, there's so many question marks about whether or not Ramses will be able to change roles. You know, how, how the communication Sometimes is. silly things work. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, OG is an example of that, right? Sometimes silly things you wouldn't expect to work, work. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. EG, by getting rid of both Simelanus four, got rid of their last two TI winners on the team. Yeah. So now they're like a group of people who who don't have that accolade, even though the, the, the team will still carry that because as an mm-hmm. organization they won. And uh, yeah, Ramses is a, is a real question mark. He was regarded as one of the best safe lane carry players, not just in CIS, but in the world. I think if, if most people would make a a top five list for sure he'd be in there if most i think if a lot of people made a top three list he'd still be in there yeah i i think he he was very good he was also the captain for vertish pro he was mm-hmm. the one who took over um for solo this year again because they had to change a roster there was a, a very interesting documentary recently out about vp i have if to watch that more interested in i highly recommend it it includes a lot of their uh in-game communication which you pretty much never get to see and um you know you learn certain things like the the fact that uh ramsey's he's a captain for a reason he makes a, a lot of i think what are probably smart calls but he says them in just the most you know like this is translating from russian to, to english but Everyone kind of picked up on the fact that, boy, he is condescending. It is just not positive communication, right? Like, he's probably right about the stuff he's saying, but, boy, it is just, it does not look like it's fun to be his teammate, you know? It's like having a bad manager at work, you know, where it's like, oh, hey, like, this person, like, has good knowledge. They have good advice, but they just know how, how to talk to people well, and you don't feel good about it. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine being in a team where... You know, my my captain is just being mean to me in the middle of a match. Like, I'm sure that that, that there's probably also cultural elements to that. Yeah. Like, you know, we're we're just soft American boys, right? Like, how can yeah. how can we accept such rude and vulgar language? But, um, uh, you know, now he is going to be playing in in such a, a mixed personality team and such an international team that. It'll be interesting to see if he carries that over with him. Yeah, I think this is uh, an opportunity for him to be able to reinvent himself in several ways, not just as a court, but also be able to learn uh, from very experienced captain in Fly, who we haven't gotten like really good ideas of what Fly and how his communication style is because he's a fairly like reserved guy. But what I imagine, especially working with Notel, who is like, the most PMA captain of all time. He probably has a pretty similar idea. Of I would assume so. Fly seems like he does a lot of uh, like like uh, yoga and meditation. Yeah, 
So I imagine that he comes in game with that with that Zen mindset too. I don't yeah. imagine him yelling at people. It, Could be totally that sort of, wrong. That sort of quiet strength, both yeah. physically and you know, I presume verbally. He's also jacked. Yeah, he's also that, he's that also guy, jacked. That guy, look, wow. And Ramsey's is very small, so <laughs> so so you know, I I, I think this is a, an opportunity for Ramsey's to be able to maybe learn a little bit. I mean, when you are on. Uh, the same roster for the last three years. I think it's a little bit hard for you to grow as a person mm -hmm. when you're just kind of with the same people all the time. So it was probably hard for him to learn from Solo. That was something that Solo specifically said is that he had hoped that Ramses would have listened to him more and that didn't actually end up being the case. So um, Also you know, note that, you know, Ramses is young too. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's you know, t teaching... Trying to, you know, make someone who is in their late teens into like, you know, a, a, a very mindful, zenful person isn't yeah. always like he's he's still like fucking going through puberty and shit. Like, I mean, his body is changing. And and that guy also said that he did not actually he did not get a chance to socialize as <laughs> much with people in his like formative years. So that was probably a learning experience just being on a team in the first place. <laughs> Ramsey's and no one were both very well known for being really BM players. Uh, yeah. Just really toxic players to, to be around. But they they molded themselves into a team environment and everybody grows. And, and I think I've heard from a lot of pro players uh, how, how much they've grown being on different teams and learning how to communicate differently with different kinds of people. Yeah. I'm sure it's a good experience. Um, some other some other NA highlights, mm -hmm. as is a bunch of NA boys here. Complexity dropped their roster, which is interesting to me. Not yeah. because complexity has like been, uh, I guess they've kind of been a mainstay in Dota. Um, they've never really been like a, like a top echelon team, but they've been a consistent North American representation. Yeah, and they um, they're going to lose uh i think the biggest name that they lost out off of this roster was z freak mm -hmm. for the first time he's always been on complexity always. and this will be an interesting there's several players out there who um have an opportunity to be able to um just transform themselves into something else because z freak was very highly regarded at one point in time and then he stayed on these complexity rosters and the complexity rosters were always tier two, always, you know, like maybe they'll make TI, but they definitely won't do very well if they do make yeah. it. And it was always looked at as, oh, Z Freak is the best player on that team. But you stay on bad teams long enough and your stock is going to go down, right? So now I don't think he has the same kind of stock that he used to no. when it comes to pull with, with teams and stuff. But... Maybe being on a new team and finding some success can skyrocket his his stock again. And I think stock is the perfect way to be able to put it because your reputation as a player really determines where you're going to end up on these, whether or not you're going to end up on these good teams. And if you end up on good teams, then you get good game knowledge from your good captains and then you become a more valuable player. That's why I think whenever you look at really good teams that pick up a player and they they immediately just don't find any success. You can tell that they were definitely a problem, right? Like, look at how many carry players, like, secret. Mm -hmm. If you were on a team, if you were on secret, and then you immediately went down to a tier two and then a tier three team, like, that that just goes to show that it was your team and your captain, maybe, who was making you look good and not necessarily you as a player. Yeah, and Z-Freak... Uh 
I think that he might be able to to tick that stock back up. Yeah. Like he has the opportunity now to kind of remake a name for himself, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but complexity as an organization, like they got, they they became backed by the Dallas Cowboys last year. Yeah, like they they're like a serious player in the esports sphere in general. So now we might not have that representation, that money, that name brand in Dota for the next year. Yeah, it could be that um, I think a lot of these organizations, um, or at least I'm, I'm just imagining this, is that the start of any Dota season, if you really understand Dota, like I would not jump in on any roster at, at the start, right? Because you just don't know who's going to really succeed. And the important part of having, you know, sponsoring a team at Dota is when they're going to TI, <laughs> right? The the infamous mouse sports, right? Who always came in just before TI to be able to pick up whatever team qualified. That's where you want your your organization really represented. And uh, so I don't really blame, uh, may- maybe complexity is going to take a little bit of time and wait to see what the field looks like in a in three, four months. But. Yeah, they, that could be a good, nice nice break they can have. But speaking of teams that, mm-hmm. you know, just snipes one before TI, we saw Newbie do that with yeah. a North American team, and now Newbie is back to firmly being a Chinese team. Yeah, they're so. like, ah. <laughs> There was that brief hope where it was like, ah, maybe maybe uh, this Newbie roster is going to go good. They managed to end up in the upper bracket. No, immediately, immediately bottomed out. Back to... Backing Chinese teams. I think my last question about North America teams and where people are ending up is that no one really knows what Sumail is doing. Yeah. Who is probably, if, if you were to name, who are the biggest North American stars in Dota? Yeah. You're probably going to say Sumail and Artuzzi. Yeah, and then having their split up, and obviously most of the teams seem to stick it out with Artizi, which is surprising since Samael is the TI winner, right? Um, you know, that says some things about it. Um, maybe it also says something about Samael, that he just wants yeah. uh, an entirely different uh, future. A lot of the rumors going around is that he's going to be making a team with his brother, and you are, who had a very good showing at TI. He looked like a great carry. Um, so those... Uh, the Hassan, Hassan brothers might actually end up forming a team together, and who knows? Like NA it could really be revitalized this year based off of EG kind of breaking up and some other potential things. Yeah. Like, for example, Ninjas and Pajamas and wherever they end up. Yeah. The the thing with uh, t- two points on on the Hassan brothers. I feel like if I were their parents, I'd want them on different teams. <laughs> because because you, you you're like you're spreading your bets out right like for the last couple uh-huh. years they both made TI independently yep and sh- almost certainly they will still make TI with whatever roster they want to put together because NA looks silly right now I think if you look on Wikipedia at this very point in time there's like three official NA rosters <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh I, I, and it must be like oh wow I hope they can uh, I hope they can do it together because they're really putting all their eggs in one basket. It's also interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't have a brother, but I I'm, I have a sister, and the thought of uh, doing anything competitive with her uh, in the same team probably feels more toxic than. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and I also wonder, like, you are the older brother, but his younger brother is the one who's been more successful yeah. in Dota. So I'm sure that's like maybe. Do they a little care bit about that? Maybe. Plus. Do they care about that? And, you know, it's it's. Uh... As far as I understand, it seems like their family unit is pretty tight. And, you know, like, Samael has provided... People don't know this. Samael is, is like... He won TI. He bought his family his house. You know, they, he's been supporting his family monetarily heavily throughout his Dota career. So, um, 
you know, people like to to give flack to Samail, but I think that's like a really respectable thing to use yeah. all this great money that you want and to be able to support everyone around you. There's a reason why, you know, when Samail wins TI and even up to this point, like it's it's a it's a story that breaks out in the mainstream media is like, mm-hmm. hey, this is like a very modern version of the American dream. Yeah. It's like, you know, you yeah. move over to a new country, find success doing something, working really hard, and then, you know, benefit your family who made sacrifices for you because you ended up doing well. Yeah. So I, I think it's fair to be able to talk about the rumored roster mm-hmm. um, because it is so that rumored roster is Samael and you are who you are is going to be looks like he's transitioning into offlane. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, CC and C is their mid player, and then SVG as their captain, and MSS as their other support player. And uh, I, I, hundred percent honest, I legitimately don't know if this roster is official or not. But I will say that I've seen them playing a lot of pub games. I literally just got done playing a pub <laughs> game with them. Uh, How'd your games go today? Ju- just before this, and well, we won our game. So <laughs> I-, I fed, but you know they they carried the hell out of me because those are really good players. Um, that that looks like uh, honestly those those names. Every single one of those players is a potential tier one in their like though each one of those players right now besides you are who's playing in a new position but right now is top 10 in their their role i think um people don't know this but i i think the information is maybe a little bit lacking but svg has been highly regarded as a great captain and drafter um there was a reason why he was captaining evil geniuses before there was a reason why a lot of players wanted to play with him as well um, and then everybody else, if you, if you are familiar with North American Dota, you'll know those names and think like, wow, those guys are really good. So I feel like I sleep on MSS a lot for no real reason. Yeah, it's, it, it's fair. He had a little bit of a Z freak situation where like he always looked the best in his team, but his team <laughs> didn't necessarily do the best. So, yeah. you know, that sounds like a team that would have a, a Jack at the helm too. Yeah, probably, probably. So yeah, that this could be like the first year that North America has um, real competition in who's number one, right? Because EG it's has been, been a while. very clearly the best it's NA team for a, a long time. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for that competition, especially because of the way that we'll talk about in a little bit how they're changing qualifiers for all the events. Like yeah. the, that competition will be welcomed. Um, to run through a couple other a couple other regions, a couple other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about earlier. VP did break up uh, mo- some of their roster. You know, Ramsey's blue went to EG. Um, Pasha also left. So now they they have like three core players. Yep. Uh, Pasha did go to Navi, who dropped Blizzy. Yep. So th- those are probably the two CIS rosters that people are looking at right now of like, are these teams going to be good? Are these teams going to do well? Because for so long, VP was one of those teams that didn't stay together. Yeah. And now they're not. That'll be really interesting because I think that uh, Pasha is a bit of a question mark to me in how successful he'll be outside of the VP roster. Uh, and then also Solo returning to the helm and captaining the VP team. If you watch the the VP documentary, again, highly recommend it. One thing that was said by their captain, I thought was super insightful, was that um, Arzik, their their coach rather, um, said that he thinks that Solo betrayed himself in giving mm-hmm. up the captain role to Ramses because they they basically laid it out the fact that 
it was either for for this last season, it was either they were going to lose Ramses or they were going to lose Solo as captain. There were only two options in, in that situation, and Solo chose to give up his his captaining position mm. to Ramses in order to keep him in the team. And obviously, that team and some of the toxic atmosphere and stuff like them breaking apart. Maybe Solo kind of coming to you know coming to realize like what he gave up and is going to return. He was a great captain before, so I think a lot of people talk about Solo, you know, being the CIS captain. Yeah, so he's always held in high regard, especially in that scene, which I think the CIS scene really elevates certain people to yeah. to higher standards. And like you know, Solo is just such an important person in that hemisphere, especially in a region that is well known for being um, relatively toxic, but also being similar to NA in that you just kind of swap the the same like group of players over and over you just play this game of musical chairs where you're swapping in and out and hoping something one of them will work right yeah and and they never really seem to work at least when they do work they don't work for very long vp was always the one team that mm -hmm. came through and a lot of that has got to be the captaining of solo um in china yep lgd staying the same yeah um which is cool i think they're they're gonna give it another swing i believe they're changing their their captain or excuse me, their their coach. Yes, which is uh, changing the coach always feels like 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 a cop out for when you're not sure if you want to change the roster. You might not have got the results you want to, but like maybe let's stay together. We can have a different coach. Remember what LGD said in their um, at TI right is that three four three was always the the one to soak up a lot of the flame right mm -hmm. because he was the coach. He could be the bald old man that all of the Chinese fans would flame. And I think the one thing that really stuck to me this TI was like how much the community interaction with the Chinese players does matter um, compared to any of the other mm. regions, right? it's just like the Chinese fans are a lot more passionate about it. They're a lot more prideful about their, their teams. Mm -hmm. The players I think are more incentivized to have more of a brand themselves. So they are naturally going to interact more with uh, their, their community. So like what the community thinks of you does matter. So in a way, three, four, three, he was like the final, that was the final. It's like, well, okay. He lay on the dagger moment where he's like, he had to take off all the flame for a lot of the year. And then in the end, he was going to be the, the reason they could stay the same for this next year. The more that I think about that, the more that it does, you know, seem like that happens all the time in like the NFL or the NBA or college football. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, this team probably had potential. Why didn't they do well? I was the coach. Yeah. It was the coach. Let's get a new coach. Yeah. So it's really not that different than, you know, stuff that we take from other from other uh, sports. Yeah. I almost said mainstream sports, but I hate saying that. Yeah. Um, SCCC left newbie. Yeah. Which I'm only talking about because I still think he's very attractive. Um, True. For EU, I think that's all three podcasts. I've said that now. I'm really going <laughs> to really just going <laughs> to slip it, slip into every one and then one day we'll hang out together. Um, EU, biggest EU, EU news. Team Liquid is no longer team liquid yeah they, when this uh, when it got announced it really it really kind of rocked the scene a little bit yeah that was the one brand that a lot of people could um stick behind team liquid it's a pretty legendary esports brand by itself but being able to win a ti elevates mm -hmm. your brand even more in dota then on top of that having a roster that stays relatively the same for the last three years that also says uh, that is also going to build up a lot of the community behind behind you. Excuse me. So 
this um the team liquid team leaving the org like that um was quite surprising and even more so surprising that Kuro is is saying that he wants to be able to build his own brand very similar to puppy team secret and team secret yep so yeah it's it's a i have a team liquid sticker on my car really i do i have like a like so, a, so how do you feel about it? i mean i i'm a i'm a tl fan because i got into esports e um it's first through Counter-Strike, but Starcraft? like seriously through StarCraft. Yeah. So Team Liquid was like just more than a team. It was like a place that we hung out. Yeah. You know, I visit Liquipedia more than I visit Wikipedia. <laughs> Sometimes when I want to go to Wikipedia, I accidentally type in Liquipedia. <laughs> I think I even just said that wrong. Like I can't, I, like they're just so <laughs> meshed together in my brain. Um, so it's, it's sad that they don't have that that consistency or that prestige of that roster. Mm -hmm. But Team Liquid still won an international. Team Liquid has the financial backing to probably buy another really good team. Or if they don't want to do that, if they don't want to just spend all the money, they might be able to pick up some, some fun, scrappy underdog team that might not win a bunch of events, might not always be placing top four, but you can kind of get behind and be excited about. Yeah. Like... A team, say, which broke today, Alliance, mm -hmm. who is no longer with Alliance yeah. in a similar situation. Even after, right after TI, they're like, hey, guys, we're sticking together and we're Alliance. And then I, th yeah. I think it was literally today where they're like, hey, guys, we're not Alliance anymore. Yeah. That this was, one hurts me. That, that one I'm sure hurts a lot of people because uh, a lot of people backed alliance for so long they watched them win ti3 so many people that i've talked to like came into dota at that time period and watched alliance win became fans wanted to support them alliance was total dog shit for so many years and then finally they get a roster that is actually looks pretty decent and has some really personable charismatic people on it too and you're like great i I've fell in love with them at ti yep. i i fell in love with them i'm like i want to follow this team i am now an alliance fan these these players are fun and then i'm like well the team's sticking together so i guess i can still do this but it feels dirty and there's definitely like an argument going on in the community actively right now of like i guess you can kind of compare it to employer loyalty uh -huh. like Alliance invested a lot of time and resources and love into these five players over two years. Yeah. And then no one, most people don't know the full story. I have no idea what, what the real story is. Was was yeah. there a reason why they wanted to leave? I'm not asking because uh, you might know more than I, I mean, do. But like... <laughs> can, I, can I get on my soapbox here real quick? Because oh, I, yeah. you, I you, love the fact that, that you did point out the fact that we don't know how much... Uh, I, I don't know why they left. Um, I I don't typically ask the players that I'm friends with these sort of things because I don't think it does any good to really know. It's awkward. So I, I don't know. That being said, the amount of people who are like, oh man, this just is really dirty from the Alliance players to leave this brand that has supported them for so long. First of all, we, again, we have no idea any of the information. What if they just weren't getting a salary? Yeah. What, if, what if Loda punched one of them in the face? At, what if he punched Insania after he misclicked on Gyrocopter? What, you know, like, mm. you have no idea, like, 
what their situation is with that team. So like, I don't know why everybody thinks that like they're, everyone seems so set that there should be a reason why this team it sticks with Alliance, mm-hmm. sticks with the org, and they're just doing, they're just not staying with them because, oh, they just want more money or something like that. Like, that doesn't really, that doesn't strike to me the kind of people that they are. I'm not saying Alliance has done anything bad. I'm just saying that, you know, like, I don't know why everybody's jumping to the assumption that the players are wronging the organization. It's probably the past of the path of least resistance. It's probably yeah, the, yeah, like, so. like the quickest conclusion people can come to in their brain of like, ah, they should be loyal because of what happened. But like, we don't know. That's the that's the whole point, right? Like we, we really don't know. They could be in like not a great work environment. And maybe Loda. Could maybe be Alliance involved. just doesn't have the money to like be able to pay them, you know, a decent salary for what is a, a TI winning team. Maybe someone offered them a lot of money and they maybe couldn't somebody. say no to it. And maybe Loda was like, "Hey guys, I genuinely care about you. You should take that money." Yeah, that's, that's all of these are possible. Those are all entire possibilities. So I'm just not sure why everybody just like immediately jumps on the oh these players are garbage sort of bandwagon. But also, like uh, if you don't I hate stuff like that, man. Uh, if, like, no, nobody knows. So why is everyone <laughs> trying to jump to conclusions about this? But um, that that being said. Uh, who knows? Maybe that is going to be the roster that Team Liquid picks up. There's only so many rosters that aren't accounted for in, on an org, and that's obviously one of the very clear European ones. It, it could left. be the Sumail team. It could be the Sumail team. Those are probably uh, two of the, the... If you had to ask me what the two biggest candidates for a Team, for a team Liquid team are, it's either Sumail and UR's team yes. or what is Alliance right now. For because sure. in my head, if I had to theory craft, I think that Team Liquid might have made an offer that they couldn't turn down. Yeah, that's entirely possible. And for a team that didn't make a lot of money at TI because they bottomed out in the guaranteed income, guaranteed income probably means a lot. Yeah. You know, these guys, um, you know, they're they're not rolling in the dough like uh, any of the teams that you know managed to place top eight at a, at a previous TI. So, well, well, I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out. I'm sure some people might have some remorse about things they said on the internet. I'm sure more people will still just be mad at them and never forgive them, which is sad. Yeah, that is sad. Because again, those guys, uh, I think they're a, a great roster. I like I. That'll be the one roster. You know, like people accuse me of bias. I don't really care that much because honestly, I just don't care who wins. <laughs> they're all millionaires. You think I? give a crap if eg wins or liquid wins they're both millionaires they're both gonna be fine for the rest of their lives i don't care but alliance is the one team that 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 roster is the one team that i will now be very biased for and i don't really care because what i saw at ti was such a special moment yeah we talked about that last podcast that was such a special moment of being able to forgive and forget a very human error and look past it and support each other. I honestly, how many other teams could have gone through that at TI and still keep the same roster? I don't think any other team could do that. No. Every other team has enough prior success, enough ego, enough like already bad tensions that they would break apart the moment something like that happens. So I think that's just an incredible story and I'm going to support them for the rest of this year. I like them too. I'm, I'm going to keep beating that drum. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I, I don't know what to call them now. The, the Insania 
stack. The Insania stack. Maybe. Yeah. TBD. One one final note on roster shuffle for we actually know. Uh, fittingly, OG, who won TI. Back to back. Um, yeah. We don't really know what they're doing. Anna says he's taking a break for an indefinite amount of time. <laughs> uh, Thompson says he's taking a break for, I don't know, he's trying to figure something out. Um, No-Tail might just want to stop playing Dota and go save the environment, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. which isn't a joke. That's he the thing wants, that he actually he said. to be, uh, what was it, uh, nature's warrior or something like that? <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the quote? Yeah. I mean, uh, I love the fact that No-Tail wants to be able to use his position of, you know, fame, also his position in money. He obviously has won a lot of money. Uh, to be able to make the world better in some way. That is so cool to me because most of the time from what I hear from these players is they're not like spending the money in like really stupid ways, um, but they do just generally keep quiet, support, you know, the people around them. Um, I don't know of any, anybody else besides Noatel who's like actively trying to um, give back to you know, the world, I guess. <laughs> no tails. I was going to say the community, but no tails got bigger ambitions than that. I mean, he's even doing that too, because didn't he like uh, buy a hero in, in, uh, in Midas mode? Yeah. He so supported, like, I mean, he supported he, the he Midas directly, mode tournament. He might've been the only player who did that. I don't really know for sure. I think so. Yeah. Um, we can actually, if we can, if we switch gears for a second, um, what the fuck is Midas mode? <laughs> uh, it's a Herculean effort put on by a man called Sir Action Slacks to make some sort of unique and original content in Dota 2 via a very weird-ass tournament. That's a good way to that sum is, it up. That is very different than what Dota is, but... I have to say, I admire Slacks a lot for all the work that he has put into to doing this, uh, the reasons behind him doing it, and love that man to death. I think it's super cool what he's doing, but I'm not going to watch a single minute of Minus Mode. <laughs> I, I just could not care less about that tournament. Everybody asked me, you going to watch Minus Mode? Like, no, no, not I, at all. I think you're, care. you're just outing yourself as like a Dota purist. My job is watching Dota. <laughs> My hobby is playing Dota. The last thing I'm going to do is watch more Dota that does not, like, very clearly does not impact my job well that, that's actually interesting because when i was thinking about minus mode it is probably the one time a year right now that we have something that's not like a dpc event that's kind of a little bit sillier that that is a breath of fresh air that's different and my question is who is the demographic for that tournament is it the people who are so into dota that they appreciate the fact that it is different and silly but like yourself maybe you can be so so into dota that like you're on the other side of that value that like it, it's not it's not pure enough or is it for people who aren't that into dota but can appreciate that it's wacky and different and you don't have to be like some kind of dota meta high-level player purist to just, like, watch a silly thing happen. I don't I know who it's for. I think, for me, it's very solidly in the camp that um, people just really love Dota. They just really appreciate it. They watch, you know, all the tournaments and stuff, and they love Dota 
and the entire community around us. So they love the talent that are there at Midas Mode. They love, um, you know, the players that they're going to be watching. They love just being able to watch Dota in general. I think it's it's very, it hits directly into what is, I think, most of the demographic for people who are watching tournaments anyway, which is people who don't necessarily play a whole lot of Dota, but just really enjoy it as a spectator sport. Everybody tells me that nowadays. They used to play Dota. They don't anymore. They can't keep up, but they do love watching it. I don't I think, think I've played in two months. It's that. Two months. It's that spot real hard. Yeah. A lot of, hey, I, I, I don't judge anybody <laughs> for doing that because my job is keeping up to date with Dota. So I have the luxury of keeping up and playing Dota nonstop. Honestly, I probably would still play Dota. Um, I know like, cause somebody who I have a strong affinity with when it comes to playing Dota is, is Merlini. He quit this job to take a real person job and deal real person things, but he still plays tons of Dota. So I'm pretty sure I would still play Dota, but I totally understand people who like have real life stuff and just, you know, got to move on and only watch Dota. When's, yeah, I totally get that. When's the last time you went two weeks without playing Dota? Two weeks without playing Dota? Oh, all the time. But that's when I'm okay. at tournaments watching Dota. Fair. If I'm home, never. <laughs> pretty much never. Like years, it just won't happen. Like I, I love playing Dota, man. The, the game, that game has me hooked for life. I, it's not going anywhere for me. I, um, uh, is this, would would you judge me uh, if I told you that uh, the most Dota I've played in the last year have have all been Turbo games? No, I no, I I don't judge that at all because Turbo games that it, that is. You're still keeping, you're still playing a little bit of Dota, and you're doing it in the the way that you have the most fun. And I totally get that. I'm a I'm a competitive person, so I need to play. <laughs> I want to be that queue, person. Matchmaking, like I thought the party queue would actually change the way I played Dota. It didn't. I'm I'm just like I want to go back to solo queue <laughs> because that's the kind of person I am. I'm just a competitive asshole who just needs to be able to assert my dominance over somebody else in the game of Defense of the Ancients. I, I think for for me, uh, it's it's become like just a, just like a pure time constraint thing. And I talked yeah. to a lot of other people who play Turbo. It seems like there's two big Turbo crowds. Which in Turbo, you know, the game mode is where everything is sped up. It's like games take about half as long. Yeah. It's either the people who are playing it are people who want to play Dota but don't have the time to play Dota, or yeah. people who like want a more carefree experience. Like you can probably have a couple drinks and play Turbo. Yeah. And like still have a fun time and not get mad at yourself for, for having a silly Dota game. Yeah. And, uh, and you know everyone's going to take it all, um, a lot less seriously. You can have more fun with the people you're playing with and the people you're playing against. I mean, honestly, what kind of asshole gets bad at people? Some people. I can play, assure you some people. Turbo. There, there are people that exist. What, what kind of... Some people exist. <laughs> Shout out to, to Knoxville, who, who recently <laughs> tweeted something about like throwing uh, uh, turbo games off of somebody like not buying wards or whatever. I'm just like, what? You're playing turbo. Who, who the hell cares? Man, I need to save this 15 minutes of my life right now and really punish this person. Ugh, man. Uh, um, if we want to talk about uh, Midas mode, I feel like it's a disservice to, to not round out by talking about how we're almost at the first minor. It seems yeah. like TI just ended. Uh, because it did. <laughs> yeah. And now we're uh, we're getting close to the first minor. You, uh, you you shaved. You like cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. So that means you must be like getting ready to go back to work, right? Yeah. My my Dota two uh, TI catharsis is is it had to be 
stripped away. I, I got a haircut. I, I trimmed my beard. I am getting back into, like, my discipline I'm, I'm ignoring entirely because I'm like, nope, I'm still on vacation. I'm still not studying Dota. But um, soon the qualifiers are going to be coming in. Soon, uh, arguably, what is probably going to be the best minor of the season uh, is coming up as well. It is the BTS minor. They're basically, it's the summit. The summits are always fantastic events. So um, that'll be a great way to kick off the season. It's cool because, um, first off, it's cool that they moved the qualifier dates for Midas mode because people were upset about it. Yeah. I, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, they're not going to change the dates. I was so happy that they did though because it felt like a thing. It felt like a, a, a an evolution of Valve. To yeah. just, like, not take a hard line on something and be like, hold on, wait a second, this is probably better for everyone, we can do it. And they're communicating more? Oh, there's, That's a, there's a Reddit post from Valve. The right last now. time that happened was when Gabe fired James Toogood. Uh, I should wear my free James shirt on the next show. Um, <laughs> somewhere in a closet. Um, it's... That's a whole other conversation that we should definitely save for later. <laughs> but um, you know, they, they they changed the dates for the minor. Yep. It's cool that the summit is becoming a minor. They found a way to work it into the system. Valve approved it to be like a real DPC event. Yep. It feels like it being a minor fits the proper vibe. Um, it's an event for I think the first time that's open to the public in Los Angeles. Yep. Which makes me feel conflicted because I know it's very limited. And I kind of want to ask someone to just like, hey, I can come, right? But we'll make it happen. But but I, it's all. I know if I want to go there, I'm gonna like want to like work and help and not just like sit down, which which is a problem yeah. because I don't know. I this is oddly personal. I like don't know how to be around camera equipment and like uh, not do something. Yeah, I'll be like, hey guys, we can just. Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. I don't work. <laughs> like, let me just enjoy Dota. I don't think I'd enjoy it. I'd probably want to be there and working. No, I totally um, I totally feel that. I I don't think I would go to a Dota event if I wasn't working it because I would just. Like, I just don't know how to sit there and, and watch Dota. I would just be a little bit sad that I'm not, like, working the event, you know? Yeah. And I've never, like, properly worked a Dota event before. I've worked other esports events. but yeah. I, And who the fuck am I to go in and be like, hey, uh, hey, Dakota, we really, you know, that shot, it's not good. Like, I, like I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. That's horrible. Uh, yeah. But if I was there, I'd want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm conflicted personally if I want to go, but regardless, it's really cool. They're doing the minor. They have very, they have very limited tickets, um, mm -hmm. which probably makes sense because even though Los Angeles is Los Angeles, it, it is a smaller esports market traditionally. Um, it's really hard to travel around the city. You have to like drive places. Mm -hmm. the, the people work a lot. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, it's not a, it's not really a destination city. No. So I'm interested to see what the turnout for tickets are. They, they, they will get rid of all their tickets because they have a small amount. But, yeah. like, I would be curious in a world where they didn't have to limit the tickets, how many people would come. Yeah. I, I like, um, part of me says, like, a lot of people would be interested. And part of me says that, like, there's just not going to be a, a whole lot of people interested. Part, the part that says there's not is that the U.S. is massive and the market for Dota in the U.S. is very small. Mm -hmm. So there's just not a lot of people who are able to get to Dota events. But then we also haven't had an NA event in a very long time. So I know there's a lot of antsy people who yeah, are like... It's been... Really I really want to try. Yes, since TI8. 
Yeah. But even that was like Canada before that, you know, TI-7 was the last one in the United States. Mm -hmm. The Boston Major filled all their seats. They did. But that was still kind of a smaller venue, and it's much easier to travel if you're like around the East Coast than it is the West Coast. If you're not in LA, you are taking a plane to get here. Yeah. So it's it's definitely hard. It's not like, oh, I can justify a week-long TI vacation because it's TI. It's like, oh, it's a... It's a minor. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see how that unfolds. Um, I'm also interested to see just how this new format works for majors and minors. Uh, This is me putting a ball in a tee that I don't know if you can swing at, but do you know how they work? Do I know how the... How the new qualification system works? Because I tried to brush up on it. Uh-huh. Before we did this, because I'm like, I should sound knowledgeable. Uh-huh. And it's complicated. <laughs> right, it hit me up with it. Because honestly, like uh, when it comes to tournament formats and qualifying formats, I pretty much almost never know what the setup is because I just don't really care that much. I, I, I envy your ability to just be like, hey, man, it's chill. I got it. Like, I'm just but that's also not your job. Like, you show up, you should talk about Dota. Yeah, like, like if uh, I'll know whether or not a team is going to be eliminated or whether or not this match matters in some way. But that, that's, that's the most of it, you know? Yeah, it's, um, the, I, I guess the, the top line news for someone who is curious is that uh-huh. no longer this year. Last year, we had um, qualifiers for the minor and qualifiers for the major. Yep. Now they're rolling that into just one qualifying event for mm-hmm. both. Yep. Each region will still have their own qualifier. It's 10 teams per region. Mm-hmm. And there's three different stages. Yes. <laughs> which I don't even want to like get into it too much because it, it gets really messy really quick. There's like there's stage one. There's two groups of five teams. They play around Robin. And then some teams go to phase two. Some teams get eliminated. And then if you win in phase two, you get to go to the major. But if you lose in phase two, you go to phase three. And then if you get in phase three, you can maybe go to the minor. It's a lot. And, and like, uh, and how many teams like go to phase two or phase three is, is different based off of yeah. how many slots that region gets. Yep. Like I immediately was just like, I was checked out. I was just like, okay, whatever. The, the Liquipedia page that tries to explain it, which I think is a little bit better than the Valve official page that tries to explain it, uh-huh. is so many lines of text. And I'm like, <laughs> eventually I'm going to understand this. And I'm someone who appreciates tournament formats. Like I think it's cool to do different things and like to have creative solutions to figure out who the best teams are. But this is a little convoluted. The only part that I cared about was uh, because there's only one qualifier and it's for a major and a minor, and the major and minor are always different tournament organizers. Mm-hmm. I wondered how that was going to work, then basically just share it. Do we know? I, I do know. Um, and that is that the minor uh, controls the, like, the second or third phase, whatever the phase is for making the tournament. Right, so the the uh, major tournament operator works the first like two phases. Basically, they, they're the ones who work who makes it to the. So major. that would be the open qualifier. Yeah, and then the first group stage. Uh, I yeah, I assume so. And then the part that determines who actually yeah. qualifies for the major. And then then when you get into third phase for the minor part, that's when the minor tournament organizer comes in. I I the only reason I was interested in is I've just been hoping that there's no financial reason to ever do this, but I've just been hoping that tournament organizers would put more effort into uh, creating a good qualifying coverage 
and creating a storyline that actually starts from the open qualifiers and makes it into their tournament. There's no reason why any tournament organizer should do that financially. It, it's just like, it just doesn't pay the bills. You should honestly just pay some some guy 10 bucks an hour to to cover the, the major and cast all the games. And that's all you should do from my financial perspective. But I've just been hoping we've put more effort into that. May, like maybe we'll get more effort because there's less work to do by only having one event. Maybe. Maybe you can like put it in a package of like, hey, like they they can brand the qualifiers in a different way. But even that seems messy if there's two different people controlling it. Yeah. It might yeah, be it, cool it, to track it, stories through, you know, all the different qualifiers since they mm-hmm. seem to like. I guess they've always mattered, but if they feel more important now because mm-hmm. there's less of them, so to see like teams progressing, I'm sure there might be a cool way to do a show about that even even if it was like a different type of a type of thing maybe you can do like a like a recap or yeah. have some some fun with the whiteboard but it's it goes back to the problem of not everyone cares about uh tier two dota for lack of a better word <laughs> oh let's get into that conversation <laughs> i think i don't know yet like we'll be here very late if we do that <laughs> <laughs> say the community talks a lot of talk about supporting the tier two and tier three scene, but as a caster who once covered a lot of tier two, tier three games, nobody cares. Nobody cares about watching those games. They just don't. So people in Dota naturally just care about the best. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, like you want to be able to support the tier two, tier three scene, but there's just not numbers there, which is why I'm saying financially it doesn't make any sense for any tournament organizer to put more effort into qualifiers than than they currently do. I, I get interested in the people who do support those mm. tier three scenes because I, if you're supporting a tier three Dota, I'm assuming you're supporting supporting tier three all the way up to like the TI Grand Finals. You're watching all of it. Yeah. So then I just have questions of... What's your life is like? <laughs> time do you have to be able to watch Dota? And yeah, stuff? because I mean, I would watch more Dota if I had the time to watch more Dota, which means yep. that maybe I'd watch more other Dota. But like, as someone in my position, the reason why I don't invest in in tier two, tier three, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is because like it's just it's it's it comes down to a time investment. Yeah, you can watch the final day of a tournament of a major and be like, man, I'm getting what might be the best Dota. Or you might wait until the end of a tournament and like look at a Reddit thread and be, oh, hey, these are the best games. Maybe I'll go back and just like watch good games of Dota. Mm-hmm. But to be able to have the time to spend to watch that much, even if it's just like on the background while you're doing this stuff, it's, I'm, send us a message. I want to know about your life. <laughs> Believe me, I, after I I've just casted, made fun of you, I've casted so many games. I've casted Southeast Asian finals between uh Rave and some other team that went to this crazy base race where literally uh there were two people and JO, and the two supports were literally four staffing JO through the throne as he was hitting it. As the enemy team tried to chase J.O. around the throne to stop him. I, I casted this epic game that stuck with me. Oh, this was like five years ago. And it's still <laughs> I still remember this one. And I remember, what an insane game. People are going to be popping off about this. I go to Reddit, nothing. There wasn't even a game thread up about the Southeast Asian qualifying finals. 
That wasn't even a game thread about it. Nobody cares. And and Dota's just like there's just too much Dota to, to watch. And if you're gonna watch Dota and, and Dota's a very complex game, and so only the best teams really look good. Mm-hmm. Dota's just one of those games where people just don't look good until they're like the best of the best. That's why I was kind of worried when we first started doing the DPC stuff uh-huh. because I'm like, I feel like this is what started to hurt StarCraft. It's like we yeah. had too much of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it seems like it's kind of a, not a death blow, but it, but it can be detrimental to some esports. You know, yeah. a lot of people, if they want to critique Overwatch League, it's like there's too much of it. Mm. Um, you know, you can't even really watch every team play every NFL game. Yeah. There's too much of it. Like yeah. we have to we have to pick and choose our time, right? So to to have so much Dota is is both a blessing and a curse. And if you want to support tier two Dota, it might be worth watching some more instead of just telling other people to spend money on it, <laughs> because they're businesses. Yeah, they're businesses. They don't they don't want to lose money. Yeah, unless you're like I don't know, eg buying an LCS team. Believe me, I I would love to be able to like cast a uh, a qualifier with like me grant uh kyle blitz like bsj like just have like us on the couch and like cover a qualifier from start and then take that show that idea and move it into the actual tournament itself but nobody's gonna pay for that because there's just not enough people watching it yeah the sponsors will be like how many people are watching your show why do you want to pay you how many tweets are you gonna give us yeah it's a vicious business we got dark about it we should be happy (laughs) with the dota season starting why are we sad um i think we should stop Uh, before the doom and gloom i mean the the ti season or the dpc season is coming up it's it's a fun time the first three months is a fun time because mm-hmm. rosters are experimental look at the eg roster uh you have no idea who's gonna be good or who's gonna be bad like nobody really knows team beast coast <laughs> a, a patch is gonna be coming up in like you know a month two months who who the hell knows when the big patch is gonna be coming but it's gonna be coming the dota will the dota landscape will change forever and everyone's gonna be scrambling to to pick new stuff up i this time of the season about a month especially once the patch is about to hit is one of my favorite times of the year because it's one of the few times that i feel like uh the the knowledge of the best teams and all of the mm-hmm. worst teams that there there isn't that big gap and everyone just kind of is on the same they live in the middle playing field and everyone just is is trying to figure it out as fast as possible and that's that's fun to me well we're getting really close and until then if you don't want to watch that you can watch Midas mode <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you slacks I appreciate you you should support that tournament even if I won't do it <laughs> you know open up a second you know I do have it playing on my computer I just don't watch it. You know, I, I put, I'm, I'm one more number in that viewing list, but I don't watch a single second of it. I'm supporting my homies and you should open up uh, a second one for, for me too. And similarly, Uh you should download this podcast on different platforms or devices or give it a YouTube view. Inflate the numbers, baby. There's, I mean, well, we're lucky enough that there's people who are like, you know, helping us do this, but like, uh. I mean, I I don't want to be too silly or too optimistic, but like I think that we might 
be better than other people doing this. Maybe people might actually like this. I I mean, I don't want to chew my own horn, but I think I think we might be entertaining. I I think we're pretty funny. I I, I heard people who said that they actually liked listening to us, which you can do on yes. on Apple Podcasts, yes. on on Spotify, mm-hmm. on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on wherever you get. There's too many things to list it. I should listen to how more other podcasts explain that you can listen to it anywhere. You just look up Sidepole Podcast. If you're listening, you can watch the video version on YouTube. Damn. It's YouTube.com. Uh, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, oh God. no. Oh, oh no. no. I'm going to edit this. YouTube.com is linked Normally, it looks better than this. Before we started recording, my lights turned off. So we're very dark. Yeah. And this is a bad example to go to YouTube, but you can. You can see it there. You can listen on YouTube. You can listen whenever you want to do the podcast thing. There's probably other stuff I should plug. You can follow you on Twitter. It's like Dota Capitalist. Hey, yeah, sure. You can if you want. You can if you want. You got to follow at Leaf Eater. There's not. I'm the worst person on Twitter. It's it's bad. It's bad jokes. Um, maybe disagreeable political commentary and like weird Dota takes. He's he's Ooh. the best social media to follow for catching this podcast the moment it gets released. <laughs> That's he's the one who produces everything. That's that's what you want to do. You should follow yeah. me so you can get this podcast. And yes. I didn't and tell your friends about it. Yeah, because if your friends like Dota, they might want to listen to this. Yeah. And if there's like you know, what other Dota podcast are you listening to? I think like Kyle and Shaver did one. And like yeah, like oh how boring, right? Or like oh. Hey guys, it's the Moon Duck Podcast. My name's Suns Fan, and I have a podcast. No, no, no that's your and Trent. Oh. oh, you're talking about the one that is with Cinderin. Yeah. Ah, Cinderin's whatever. He's he's a washed up pro player anyway. Well, you hey, want to listen to him? I'm Zayori. <laughs> you want to listen to a washed up Reddit Max Red mod? <sighs> God, that's gonna be me one day. That already is me. Um, <laughs> I'm. I, I want to ask people yeah. to do the shameless thing of like if you if you can like rate us on the podcast thing or leave or leave a comment somewhere uh-huh. on the next episode. I'm just gonna pick one uh, f- for you to do a funny reading of, which I didn't pitch for you until right now. <laughs> oh, okay. but I'm, I'm gonna take a comment. I'll write it down on a note card. I'll put it on a teleprompter. And I'll be like, "Hey, Cap, give us a funny voice." Okay. So if you want him to read your comment in a funny voice, I might screen them. I might not. Um. <laughs> You don't have to screen them at all. <sighs> that could be very dangerous. I'll probably do it a little bit. Um, but all that stuff sincerely helps. Thank you very much. Thank you for for being here and listening and telling your friends and doing the following thing. We're going to do more of these. We made it to three. I should have had like a champagne or something that you made it to three podcasts. Made it we, to three. You, you, broke, you broke a record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but until then, um, four will probably happen. Go Go prepare for the minor. Go. NA needs more teams. You can probably form one right now and play in the qualifiers. You right? could definitely be the tenth team in the NA qualifier. <laughs> I promise you, you can make it. Four K shitter doesn't matter. Are you, you can are, do it. Are you gonna play in it? You'll be. Uh, you no, it? probably not. I think veggies is, is. I'm not sure if veggies will ever come back at this point. We almost made a veggie stack for Midas mode. You're that. You want to know what it was gonna be? It was gonna be. Uh, Arteezy, Matumba Man, Zai, Blitz, Cap. Who's going to be the most overpowered Veggies roster in the history of Veggies rosters? But, and uh, then uh, then they changed the date. So people, so. Uh, no, then uh, I don't know. Did you get booted for I'm, like, I'm for the like only one TI1 Navi? That's like, ugh. No. No, if anything, Slack said he would boot another team for us because he said our roster was hype. 
I won't say who he was willing to boot. <laughs> I bet I can guess. But if this roster had actually worked, then... Uh, it was definitely Alliance. 